Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a podcast from WOR. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. How are you? It's so good to see you. I can see you, don't you know? I have magic powers. I'm your host, Alice Stockton Rossini. Rob Barrett is my fabulous engineer. And you, you are my faithful PPBC follower. Why? Because you love me. Am I right, Rob? All right, you love Rob. Who doesn't love Rob? We all love Rob. No, really. Because... Because we're showing you the way each and every week. We are showing you how other people just like you did it, got their first book published, sharing with you how they did it, why they did it. And sometimes it gets crazy, but why you write a book is very personal and how you get there. Well, that's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to help you do. And if you're a regular, you know, certain themes repeat themselves like keep a journal. And guess what? I started keeping a journal, Rob, because I am going to write one fine book one day. Oh, baby, I can't wait. Jen Kearns has kept a journal her whole life, and now she's written a book. It's called Flawed. So so what happened? I was coming up with roadblocks, and I needed to discover why. Like, why was I so blocked up? So I decided to go back in my journals, and I started writing. And what I did was I developed this character whose name is Grace, and I use Grace as my spirit guide, and so what I would do is I would write, and then I would go inward and try to ask myself some tough questions and honestly answer them, and that's kind of how Flawed um, came about. So it sounds like a spiritual journey. Yes, so it's a spiritual journey inward. For most of my life, for Say thirty the first thirty five years of my life, I always looked outward for answers, and I realized that whenever I looked outward, I always felt empty inside. I wasn't coming out with answers um, that felt good to me, and I always kind of go by how I feel um, with where I'm at, where I am at in life. So I wasn't feeling good about life. I was feeling stuck. I had a great life. I have three great kids, you know, awesome husband, nice house, but I was still feeling stuck. So I decided to go backwards and, and try to figure out why, and so then I developed a story. And then I developed this other character named Zoe, and Zoe is a, uh, an older woman who just recently lost her husband from cancer, and she was in a funk feeling depressed, lonely, angry with God in the world because her husband was taken so quickly. Um, And I developed her so that she would find my notebook and the story would be told. There would be two stories going on, just add another character um, and to bring in other issues that people deal with. With Zoe, I was able to make myself feel a little bit better about releasing the book because 
I was petrified to release a book about my innermost thoughts and, you know, my flawed life. You know, you, you have this vision when you're a kid of how your life is going to be, and then suddenly things start happening, and all of a sudden you are lost and you don't even know what's going on. And um, so for me, I went down this crazy path of destruction, and within that crazy path of destruction, I was able to learn a lot more about myself and how to go inward. So you did get some answers through this process. Oh, my gosh. By the time I was done, finished writing this book, I felt like a 500-pound gorilla was lifted off my shoulders. Um, kind of felt like this book was chasing me. I knew that other people have the same difficulties. I know that people go into that dark place and feel horrible about themselves. And so I guess I wanted to be an example that you can get through the darkness and you can see the light um, and your life can change and you can move on and do great things. Great message, Jen. You know, you got to believe. Hellfire in Brick City is the title of Kevin Romano's book. And Kevin, when I when I read what your book was about, I wondered, are you from New Jersey? No, I lived there as a kid. Where'd you live? Patterson. Because when I read your opening paragraph, you know, the ground catches fire next to a New Jersey river. And remember yep. all the pollution going on and, you know, yep. and they started doing the super fun stuff. And I thought, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, well, that, that's what—that's kind of what uh, one of one of the reasons I wrote it, you know, because I knew New Jersey had been polluted quite a bit. It's about political corruption, about the environment, and a lot about love—the different kinds of love, you know, um, selfish love, unselfish, sexual love, self-interested love, young love, old love. You say world-weary private dick, Frank Soldi. Yeah. What's private dick? Detective. That's a very slang word, kind of from, I would say, probably from maybe the 1940s or so, uh, which this book is supposed to sort of have a, a taste of that era. Okay, he meets Barbara Collingswood, yeah. who's married, and um, yeah. he she's married to one of the dangerous characters. She's married yeah. to one of the bad guys. Yeah, he is. He's English. He's from England, but uh, he's definitely not one of the more upright Englishmen. You know. So so her husband is kind of tied up? Definitely in, in the nefarious business. Okay. And uh, the body of one of his assistants is pulled out of the river? Yeah, that's sort of a side thing. He he gets sucked into this thing about... He, he doesn't really want to do it. He gets sucked into the story about the ground-catching fire. And uh, one of his uh, assistants that he... The guy's a homeless guy, but he's he pays him to try and find out or watch the area for uh, why did this happen, you know? And the guy actually knows a little bit about it because he was there when the ground caught fire. So so then the the detective says, "Well, can you watch it?" Uh, you know, he's trying to find out now what's going on. Because a reporter in Atlantic City keeps the uh, story in the news, and one of it, one of the detectives' clients is a mafia type guy, and the mafia type guy doesn't like this this thing about the the ground catching fire. He says, "Hey, 
why doesn't this guy write about gardens? I mean, New Jersey's the garden state, isn't it? Let him write about gardens. Why does he have to keep this boiling? And uh, so he said, well, uh, okay. He pays him well, so so the, the detective goes and talks to the reporter who, who says he'll think about it. But then after a couple of days, the whole, the whole thing starts up in the newspapers again. In this kind of a way, the detective gets kind of sucked into this whole uh, pollution thing against his own better okay. judgment. Yeah, it, it's not a tragic ending like most like most noir stuff. It's actually kind of a nice ending. I started writing. Uh, I, I I saw this movie Witness in 1985, and I hated the ending, so I, I wrote my own screenplay, and um, then I went to school for film production and continued writing screenplays and slowly I got into writing fiction mainly because uh, the film production is so expensive I mean to do it right you need millions of dollars you know? right so uh, I figured well uh, if I write I may be able to it's something I like to do and I'm good at it so yeah that's what I started doing well you know Kevin believing you're good at something no matter what anybody else thinks, that's that's what helps keep you going. And who knows, maybe one of your books will be picked up and you'll be writing a screenplay. Adrian Ray is 23 years old. He grew up reading and being enchanted by books like Harry Potter and Narnia. And now he's written Journey of the Agenire, Masters of the Will, The Hunt for the Golden Watch. What was your biggest inspiration, Adrian? You know what? Matilda. <laughs> I read Matilda in the first grade. I, uh, I, don't know, I just thought it was the cutest, like... It was a fun story, and then um, in 2009, I just kind of developed the idea, like, you know, what if you wrote a story about, you know, two small-town kids that could just, you know, move things with their mind? What would that be like, you know, and what, what would they do with it and stuff? So that's, that's where it started, and then just kind of went from there. Narnia and Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff sort of helped, but yeah, I think Matilda was the original inspiration. I've been writing since I was 13. I've written uh, a full-length novel that was over 300,000 words, you know, between the ages of 13 and 15. Unfortunately, it was lost in a move because of uh, hardware malfunctions and stuff when I, I moved across the country. But um, I wrote another book after that. It wasn't quite as long, but it was a fantasy-based um, as well. And so Journey to the Agenire is actually kind of the third book that I've actually written and then I wanted to get published so what what's Adonair? Uh, what is that so Adonair, it's a old english word uh i created it um based on uh, there's two words so there's adagen which is a word for uh, strong or master in um in old english or and then the other word is ire which just means will so um the connotation or the actual meaning of the word the denotation is is will master or master of will okay um, in the book lore uh it developed about a hundred years ago um, but the people have been around for thousands of years so they've, there's been different variations of how to say that but adjunite is the most recent and succinct all right so two kids find out they can use magic and then they get thrust into this different world and wind up going on a quest what's the quest uh, long time ago, a wizard split up these watches, and it's supposedly dangerous, but powerful, and other wizards wanted them, so in order to keep them from getting the watches, he kind of put a curse on them. They're the ones that, the only ones that can 
can lift the curse off of it. So they go about collecting the watches all over Earth and Brazil and Nepal and Hawaii and off the coast of the deepest trench in the world in the Pacific Ocean. They're under the impression that they're doing everyone a service, but and may or may not be the case. And so the climax of the whole story comes comes about when one of the wizards traps them and seeks to take the watch himself. And then, then they start to realize that maybe it wasn't a great idea to go about all this. And yeah, so it's kind of a suspenseful and fun and kind of designed at a younger audience, but full of lots of fantasy. And as the story goes on, there will be more a look into the communities of Agenire that are all over the earth because they're quite literally everywhere. A lot of people just don't know it. So right. The next book is focusing more on and finding them. And so one of the uh, critiques I got from one of the reviewers was that there wasn't enough of the Agenire powers in the first book. In the second book, there will be a lot more details on showing how, how the Agenire's powers work together and the full, the full scope of it, I hope. Adrian, you're so creative. And at 23, man, you, you've got... You've got years of writing ahead. I can feel it. You are going to love the name of this next book. Welcome, Crystal Horton. What is blue, blue, blue? What is blue to you? What is blue to you? <laughs> Whatever I want it to be. <laughs> blue sky, blue eyes. Blue sky, the water, a bike, a car, whatever. I've been working with kids for 18 plus years and been around every age from weeks to 16 year olds, you sort of get inspired about what kids like to learn. And colors seem to be really, they're really fascinated by colors. And when they learn their colors, they may not always guess the right color of something, but it's just the fact that they, they enjoy learning. And as far as the book goes, it just came to me one day. It really did. And I was like, let's start with colors. And like I said, kids seem to learn colors faster than numbers. So I thought colors would be the easiest. And I said, let's make it fun. So I said, let's shout it out from a megaphone. But it's blue, blue, blue. And then, you know, just guess what, what, what the colors are. And then, you know, give the child a chance to ask the question. What is blue to you? And you'll be amazed what kids will tell you what was blue to them. You never know what they're going to come up with. Honestly, you never know what they're going to say. Do you come up with other colors in the book? Oh, yeah. I have okay. blue, green, most of the primary colors and some of the secondary colors and all those colors. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Were you a teacher? I am a teacher. My career started professionally in 95. I had a home, family child care home for seven years, five star. And then I taught anywhere from zero to 12 years old. And then I had youth groups in my church. And I've been around kids. All my life. But right now, I am an infant teacher at Kindercare, Kindercare Lane. That's where, actually, the book started. I started. I've been working with these infants for four and a half years, and I started the book back in 2000. Actually, I wrote this book in 2014, but you know how you, how you have to get things, so I didn't. But, yeah, it, it basically came from them, just watching, them, watching those babies, because you have the different ages in one room from age six weeks to 12 months. So you see all this development and all this growing and how they learn and, you know, and eat and, and grow. And I was just like, How are you selling the book? Are you telling parents to buy it? or I've been telling parents. Um, I got my own family helping me out. I come from a large, pretty large family. I'm the, I'm the 14th child. 
eight sisters and six brothers. I, I would just think every every parent who knows you would want to buy this book for their kid. Right. Right. I do. Yeah. You should do book. You should I, do a book reading. Oh yeah. You know? That'd be great. I will. You probably will. know all the elementary schools. Go in there. I bet you'd be great. Well, thank you. You got it, Crystal. And with that, we have got to take a very short break. Coming up, how inspiration comes when you least expect it, how helping someone else write a book can help you, and uh, finding your truth. Don't you go anywhere. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then now's the time to call Page Publishing at 800-204-6099 and do it immediately. You see, they're looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review most of the books submitted to them. And they'll even give you their feedback. And if they like what they read, Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, and other outlets. They'll handle everything. Copyright protection, printing, cover art, publicity, and editing. So if you've written a novel, a children's book, a cookbook, inspirational work, a book of poetry, or biography, and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-204-6099 now for your free author submission kit. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call for your free author submission kit. Call Page Publishing at 800-204-6099. Hey, yo! I love that. Hey, yo! Welcome back to the Page Publishing Book Club. Jake Hems, like a lot of authors, would never have written his book entitled The Devil's Science had it not been for a turn of events. And not exactly a positive turn of events, but it brought him to a place where he could write. And the idea came to Jade in college, right? You say you, say you have 10 degrees? Correct. I have multiple college degrees, yeah. Um, psychology, law, social sciences, liberal arts. Uh, what happened was I used to represent handicapped and disabled people in upstate New York for over a decade. And one day I got a call from my mother, and uh, she was taking care of my grandmother, which is her mother, and she had Alzheimer's and was getting worse, and she needed my help. So I had to close up the firm, and I headed to Florida to help her out. And um, within the first year of being here, I was at a stoplight, and somebody not paying attention ran into me without even applying the brakes, and... uh, totaled my car. I had to be given ride to the ambulance to the hospital and woke up, found out that I had blown out most of the discs in my neck. Oh. So anybody who has neck injury knows that even on bad, on bad days, even sitting up is painful. So I ended up pretty much being forced to stay in bed. And, um, of course, that, I got very, very depressed about that. And um, I, my grandmother ultimately died of uh, complications due to the Alzheimer's. So I was about ready to give up. And I said, no, I'm going to write this book. I've always wanted to. I'm in bed here. I might as well. So it took me a year and a half from bed. And I finally, I wrote it, sent it in to the publisher. And um, the publisher um, immediately approved it. What's it about? It's about an alien invasion. And it's about the Voyager space probe being discovered after it leaves our solar system. And it's discovered by an alien race that's advanced from us and is not very positive about mankind and Earth. So they come after us. Um, when the aliens come, they, they are so advanced in us. They are like, you know, not only hundreds of years, eons ahead of us. And to make a comparison, it would be like an army of ants against SEAL Team 6. 
So we, we would have no chance at all against the, these aliens that have discovered our Voyager probe. And um, there's a very unique solution that ends up being derived from it. And I don't want to give it away, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I recommend anybody that's interested in it to go to uh, my Facebook at Jay Hems. Now, this is the first book of a trilogy. So the, this is just the first book, and there's going to be two more coming. That's great. Good for you. You found a purpose in spite of that accident. Well, I, I had to. I had to. I was very, very depressed. And uh, also, you know, I, this this could be something, uh, you know, the province from this book is going to help to try to uh, put, you know, maybe get me back onto the, the law firm business and be able to help the disabled and handicapped because I really liked doing that. And uh, especially 9-11 people that are still having problems. There's a lot of people that are, you know, breathing that cloud of smoke and are still having problems to this day and are being denied. And uh, if I was able to, I would love to be able to try to help them people out. All right, Jake. Good luck. At least your heart's in the right place. Our next author, R.H. Gunn, was compelled. Yes, we have another author who comes forward to tell us she wrote her book entitled Under the Blood Moon because it came to her. Tell us what came to you. Well, it's about it. It's a supernatural thriller. Uh, I started on it over 13 years ago. It started off as my son wanted to do a movie script, a horror movie script, because he's always been interested in werewolves. So he said, Mama, can you help me? And I said, okay, I can help you do that. And I established my characters, and these characters came to life in my mind. And then he came to me, and he said, Mama, we need to start killing people. And I said, I can't do that. I can't kill my people, because these people, they came to life in my imagination, and they were speaking to me. So I said, tell you what, I said, you go on, and I'll finish this. So that's how it actually started. It is thick with imagery, because I am an artist, so it words bring to life the thing that I wanted to create. And it's about faith. It's about, if you feel the horror, it's about evil. I use um, the werewolf because it is the demon that is created in this that transcends time and it comes to life. And actually, it reflects today's society. Um, it is a journey that five people, about six old, have to take um to the mountains of North Carolina, where in the year 1838, there was horrific um, murders that took place in a hidden valley. Uh, these monsters go into the valley, and they have to enter through uh, a sepulcher that has been erected over that will allow them entry once the blood moon surfaces and it tops the mountain and becomes the head of this, this sepulcher, and the monsters enter which are the werewolves, and actually the demons, and they enter and they slaughter innocent, and well, actually it's the Cherokee Indians that have hidden out in that valley. Years later, a figure emerges named Peter, and from there I talk about everything that is the sickness in our today's society is in this book. I play with the werewolf legend. It's a, it's a fictional presentation of the demonic, but it's deeply spiritual. It's about a journey with faith. These characters have five days to journey to this mountain, and unknowingly, they are to face the world's demon who has risen to power. 
and he is ready to take over the world. The children of the world are at risk because this is what they want to feed on. These are demons, but they're demonic, and I use the werewolf because people associate with that. I've always been an avid reader, so I knew that I would write, but I never knew that it would be a book, a supernatural thriller, or something like this. And, and I tell people now that I was born to write this book. Then I never got to the point where there was a, a block that I didn't know what to say because it, there came a time when I was at a, at a loss for words. I would ask the question, what do you want me to say? And words were slow. All right, R.H. Gunn, you know, I, I think it's a gift to be a writer who's never had writer's block. And you certainly are lucky to have words come to you in almost a, you know, spiritual way. Finally, Ernest Jordan has written a book called Truth. Will you believe it? And Ernest, uh, you say you're convinced that no one will believe what you say is true. Well, not necessarily, but a lot of things in it they won't want to believe. It takes history, what the Bible shows us with history, and brings us through history to our time now, laying alongside of what the Bible says, and brings us to our day now, and also then what we can, can expect is going to happen in the future. And it goes around about way of using how the Bible shows us these things and uh, how it does match with history and that it, history doesn't take away from it, but adds to it. But it took me a long time to get it done. But I started, it was like in 1977, and uh, I started trying to put the book together and I would go a certain distance, and then all of a sudden, I, I couldn't go any further, and I'd stop and start all over. I did this hundreds of times, and then finally, I found myself going to college and took a two-year degree in world history. And when I did that, I started understanding a lot of things that I didn't understand. And eventually, I came to where we are today with the book there. And I went through a lot of things. Eventually, got a computer, and it took me like 40 years to even get to where it is now. Forty years? It took you 40 years to write this book. Right. It's not that big either, is it? I started in 77, went from using the pencil to a typewriter to a computer, once again trying to publish it then, but then but never could because I could never finish what I was trying to write. And then I finally came to uh, Page Publishing, who, who I figured was there. And even today, I feel there's stuff in it that should be in it. What is it that you want people to take away from this book? Well, I want them to see the truth about man and what his... Uh, destiny is and what we are here to do and what we've gone through and uh, what we can expect maybe to happen in the future and maybe kind of explain who we are and what we should you know, should want to be. And, uh, and to me, of course, I do believe in God. And to me, it's a very important thing for men to do. So when the book starts, it tries to show you that you do not have to use the Bible to know that God exists just by looking at the things around you, like evolution, they talk about evolution. Well, I don't look at evolution. I look at things that, that God has done to bring us to where we're at. The same token, you can take things like uh, how the world is made and different things like that, and it'll tell you that laws had to be in place for that to take place. And if you're intelligent, you know that laws just don't happen. They have to be set up. So something had to set that up in order for it to take place. And I go into a lot of things then in the, in the first part of the book to explain that. Then I go into evolution. I said, now evolution says that in the beginning there was nothing. And if you stop and think about it, if there was nothing and you put nothing with nothing, you're still going to come up with nothing. You don't have to have that Bible to understand that there's something that's leading us in a direction that we need to go and we need to understand that that person is there. 
and, and it's not trying to get people to join a church. It's trying to get people to see the Bible as what it is, and that it's not really just another book. And it's there to really show us what we should be doing. Fair enough, Ernest. And uh, I guess what Rob and I should be doing right now is getting out of here. Whoa! Time flies when you're being inspired, doesn't it, Rob? Unbelievable. We will be back next week, though, for another edition of the Page Publishing Book Club, and we hope you will be, too. Same time, same place, 710-WOR. Have a great weekend. This has been a podcast from WOR. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.